Hey guys, um, we have a couple people logged in. So if there's anybody um, who wants coaching, oh, good. Okay, here we go. A lot of talk. Can you hear me, Artie? Yes. Okay, awesome. Hi, how are you? Hi, good. Good. Um, okay, where do I start? Um, okay. <laughs> I am, I'm actually overseas at the moment. And so, and I can't sleep. So I'm not oh, the gosh. most clear headed I've ever been. I know it's the worst. And I have a presentation in the morning, um, in three hours. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, that's okay. I'll, it'll be fine. Um, I am, I, I thank you for taking my call. I am, um, I think so my issue right now is that I'm kind of I'm at an I'm at an international meeting and I keep kind of looking at the people who are the most successful in my in this field as like um I don't know with a mix of like jealousy and um sort of intimidation and I, and I feel like I am like, kind of like, I also, I feel childlike and like, I need them kind of. And I just, it's like, I don't know. It's just led to so much stress, like for no reason at all that I just generate in my own head. And it like kind of inhibits my ability. I feel like to interact in like a way that would serve me, (laughs) you know, I kind of get like nervous and like, don't know what to say or, and I just, and I feel like I, I don't know. Um, I just get all the emotions. I'm like, man, why do I even do what I'm doing? You know, like there's, I'm never going to reach that level. And, um, and I don't know, like, uh, I just really, it's just like been, I've just had so many mixed emotions. Um, because I also have this nagging feel like I'm maxed out in terms of what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that much more bandwidth to add anything else on. And so I just, you know, cause I have other priorities with my family and all of that. And so I'm just like, man, um, should I just give up now? <laughs> you know, I was kind of, I, I, you know, this unfortunate nagging feeling I've had, um, this whole week. And it, it's also been like, it's just emotionally draining. It's also been an incredible week um, where incredible things have happened. So I don't know. I find conference. This is I, ever since I didn't really go to conferences for like a bunch of years because of COVID and having little babies and all this stuff. But, you know, now I'm five years in as an attending. And so, you know, I, I've started going to conferences again and my experience has been, they are so emotionally draining for me. I have the, it's just like, I'm just completely depleted because of all of these like swirling kind of like thoughts and just like comparisons and just like, you know, like I, like on the one hand, I try to embrace this like abundance mindset. And then on the other hand, I'm like, Oh, if I don't hit, like, if I don't hit a certain trajectory, I'll never make it kind of feeling. <laughs> so okay. Well, that's where I'm at. (laughs) I appreciate that. And I suspect this is something that hits on some level for everybody. Um, I know I personally um, really don't love meetings. (laughs) 
<laughs> but maybe for yeah. different reasons. Um, anyway, uh, what is success? I mean, you talked about these people who are most successful in my field. What does that even mean? Um, it means people that, um, obtain funding, (laughs) obtain funding and are able to do big, impactful, meaningful things. Um, okay. I may be having like voice confusion, but aren't you one of those people? Um, I mean, in a small way. (laughs) Okay. But how can we measure that? What do you mean by that? Um, I have like limited in institution, I guess, extramural funding. Like I've, I have, I've been funded by my own institute a few times, Okay, but, and, and you're right. And some other small things like some philanthropic donations and stuff, but. But what determines if it's like big or small, is there a dollar number? Is there like a certain number of people the work has to reach. Like, how do we define that? Does it matter who it comes from? Like, is it different money if it comes from the institution or a philanthropist versus like the NIH or some international? I guess when I see people who are able to, um, build relationships with industry or yeah or NIH or um like some of the major international organizations that do this type of work like you know you know I I you know there's a couple different entities that like major international or you know multi million dollar entities that like do this type of international work. And so people that are able that, that I guess I want to say curry the favor of those entities. I'm like, wow, how did they do that? And then how do you answer that question? Um, I feel like they are charismatic and I'm not charismatic. Uh, <laughs> Probably. Have you talked to any of these people? Yes. And is that true? No, they're not very charismatic. (laughs) 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 Isn't that funny? (laughs) Yes. That's why I'm asking the question. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there's two people in the forefront of my mind, one of whom is extremely charismatic, extremely charismatic. And the other one who is not charismatic at all. And they're both equally as successful. <laughs> they're, they're the people I'm like fixated on. Like, how did they do it? But I, I know how they, I, well, yeah. But so. you know how they did it. So you almost said it. You almost said it. These are people who have teams. They're not working alone. They are probably not new. They're probably no. maybe further than five years is my guess. 
Yeah, like I know it's like I'm being ridiculous. They're definitely senior, senior level people. But like, I don't think it's ridiculous. I don't think you're being ridiculous. I think you're being a very typical human because we do this, right? Like we were raised in these arbitrary rules about what success means. And um, so then you go to pursue your career and it's like there's a belief system in place about what success means and then all the ways in which success can be had and all the charisma one must possess in order to have the success and all of this stuff. But it's just nonsense, basically. It's just made up and it's not ridiculous and you're not being ridiculous. We all do this. This is so common. We all do it. And I'm so happy that you're bringing this point to the group because we can all benefit from this discussion um, and go through the exercise of just teasing apart fact from fiction. And you're tired right now and you're out of your circadian rhythm. And that's another thing that kind of makes us a little bit more vulnerable to, um, you know, just kind of like these thoughts that go out of control and it just seems like such a big deal. Um, yeah. And totally. we are, we all have that happen. We're all tired. We all, well, maybe not me because, <laughs> because I like sleep all the time, but um, the rest of us are tired and, and dehydrated and undernourished and, and our brains just kind of like are relentless. So yeah. what would help? right now like what what would make this trip like optimal what would just like make this experience amazing well um I gotta be honest it also has been incredible yeah you said (laughs) you know I some incredible things have like incredible things have happened so Mm -hmm. like um Oh, um, uh, I probably, I, I don't, I never know who's going to hear this. So I probably, I don't want to share. <laughs> no, that's okay. But, you don't and, have to say specifics. Like we can probably guess. I mean, it's so energizing. You're listening to research. You're listening to people talk about amazing technology and successes and you get to see people in action and there's like a certain energy to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's more so like, I feel like I made, uh, I, I, I think in this environment it is it's oftentimes desired, but difficult to have, I think deeply authentic reaction, uh, interactions with people. And I, yeah. and I think that honestly, that is my strength in this environment. Mm. Um, uh, I don't, you know, I don't want to cheapen it by saying that but I I do think that I have a a certain knack for understanding uh for cross-cultural relationships I guess um and I think it shows to be honest and I think that I might have that some of my some of these senior people might um I'm a little concerned that they feel threatened to be honest, by um, your ability funny... to communicate and be authentic, or by what? Um, like everything is about networking, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I think 
And so on, in some ways I've been able to network with a lot of people. Um, and, and I, yeah, I don't know. These are like new, really nuanced stories, but I, 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 yeah, I think that. Yeah. Save the details. Cause we want to protect everybody's privacy, but if you yeah. could just kind of help us with the gist of it. And I think we're all like capable of keeping up. Um, I mean, yeah. So, so I guess like the thing, but the thing is, so I have this, I feel like I do have this skill, um, this mm-hmm. like th- that I've been developing for 15 years, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like, um, understanding and communicating and, um, relationships in like, in, in, in this like international space. Um, but I, uh, the thing that I hadn't done for a long time was, um, network domestically. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of feel like I come out of left field here, like having really deep and vast networks in this international community. And then these American leaders are like, who the hell is this girl? Where the heck did she come from? In fact, that last year they said that to my face directly. (laughs) And, um, you know, and so it's a little bit, I feel awkward um, trying now to like build my domestic relationships. It's kind of, I'm so I'm so I, because it's weird to go places with like this whole international community and then see the American contingency. And I'm like, not with them or invited to their like thing. And it's, it's, and and because the leaders are, it's a whole thing. So I, it's just led to this. um, I, I, I want any, I think I need to try to position myself like more, um, in a humble way, like, but in an effective way, like with our, with my, like with domestic partners, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that would make me feel like I wasn't this oddball anymore. Okay. And if you want to go deep, you know, it goes back to like, you know, feeling like the weirdo in high school, you know what I mean? Like it goes back deep, like to these like childhood things, you know, or you're, where I think most, a lot of us were like the nerdy kid, you know, in school. So it goes back to all of that, like feeling like excluded, you know, feeling like not excluded, but feeling like, um, why am I different, you know? And so I don't know how it came to be this way, but it, I mean, I, I guess I do, but it, <sighs> I'm trying to now bridge the fact that I'm at a big institution um, and I did, but I, and I kind of came out of nowhere with the, like, to, it seems like to a lot of, um, these like national leaders and I want to figure out how to like, um, yeah, be successful on the, on like the domestic side and, and also not be like excluded and also, um, yeah, make myself more effective. And I think that would be, that's like the Holy grail of, I guess me reconciling these emotions from this week. <laughs> okay. So this is great. How would, how is it different being able to kind of communicate with what sounds like more ease, I guess, or it sounds like you're very good at it with the international community so how is it different communicating with the international community compared to communicating with the domestic community? I honestly feel like American culture is kind of crappy. 
and other cultures. I I truly do. I think American (laughs) culture is, um, where is very egocentric, um, is very, um, like one upsmanship. Like, I mean, I could, maybe I'm projecting, but I just, you know, I, for whatever reason, I, I, I think other cultures, many other cultures have much more joie de vivre and much more, um, concern for how what they say affects others mm-hmm. and are more careful with their th- and, and think differently, think more communally. Um, and, uh, and I, American culture just is not that. And so for whatever reason, um, I'm, I am more at ease, like, um, oftentimes in other cultures, isn't that strange? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, exactly. And so what makes you so good at communicating with these other cultures? What, what, what are you doing irrespective of what the culture is like, but what are you doing? How are you engaging with the international community? Oh, I mean, I've been, um, I've been, I've been working in international environments for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, since I was, I mean, gosh, actually a kid to be honest. And so I think, um, I, I, I think that I have a very high degree of empathy and also understanding of, um, their perspective about of other people's perspectives. Um, and so I know what to say to not come off like a jerk, which I think a lot of Americans do. (laughs) Right. So that's really interesting though, because I suspect the exact same communication technique would allow you to be effective with American people as well. Empathy. What was the other thing? Maybe I feel, uh, I I said empathy and just like, um, I, I understand others' perspectives. Understanding others' perspectives. Those are two things that are incredibly magnetizing. All really humans ever want is to be seen and heard. And what you're describing yeah. is your ability to, with ease, see and hear, really see and hear what the people in the international community have to bring. And there is something in your way of doing that with people domestically. My guess is, is that it's this assessment, however correct your assessment might be about American culture is irrelevant because I think the same technique will work. It's just, it's just humans love it. They love to be seen and heard and they want to be important. And we in America might like emphasize that feeling of importance even more than other people. But um, have you tried that domestically? (laughs) I feel, I mean, um, I feel like whenever I like the pace of American conversations is so quick. It, to, it doesn't allow, it doesn't always allow time for reflection uh, in the same way. Uh, I, I mean, 
Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think what in the U S like what I've tried to connect, like, um, I feel like there's a lot of over talking and competitiveness, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that. And maybe that's contributing to your apprehension to bring these assets that you have to a conversation where you might be the one who's able to actually slow things down. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, uh, you're probably right there. I mean, I think a lot of, I think that probably to that end, I think that my lifelong, um, not people pleasing, but like desire to um, be accepted mm -hmm. makes me want to ramp up the way someone else is ramping up. So I usually oh. am not the one to control the pace of a conversation. I'm usually in the U S I mean, I'm usually not the one to, um, like take a moment and, you know, like I, some, I, I, I observe people who do, and I'm always impressed, but I'm, I'm, I'm not for whatever reason I have difficulty. Like I'm usually trying to match the other person as opposed to, um, you know, sh being my true self, I guess, or whatever. There I, you go. Right it, but, yeah. <clears throat> I think this is, I think you just kind of got to the bottom line here is that you view yourself differently when you're, when you're communicating with people in the international community and you view yourself differently when you're communicating with people domestically and you described it yourself a couple different times as like, being the nerd or the oddball out or like the one who's not in the in crowd as if there's this like click of popular people here in the u.s that um like it's it that's at least how it's coming across. Um, I don't know if you know, that's accurate. Up on that. <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah. You know, and I go, I, I go to a restaurant and like, there's like 16 Americans all at a table. And I'm not like, I'm like, wow, I'm the only one not invited to this party. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh man, I feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm in high school. Wow. Cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's really important. So you already knew the answer and, um, and the funny thing is, is that you already know how to communicate effectively. So I think, I mean, depending upon, you know, what you really desire, it sounds like you desire to have the same sort of ease and influence with people domestically. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Um, not, I don't, not influence over them. Mm -hmm. I don't care about that, but I want influence over decisions that are happening from U.S. entities. Because I think I would be a good decision maker in those entities yeah. for the mission. Right. So there is a possibility that the way in which you um, kind of view yourself with respect to these people domestically is actually serving to keep you out of the group. Yes. Wait, say that one more time. Like the the way you view yourself as the outsider of like outs out of the clique or however we want to describe it, I'm just envisioning yeah. like this horrible scene in high school. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> like the popular kids. Um, but like maintaining that perspective is only going to keep you out of the group. Yeah, for sure. I know. So like at that, for, I, I just wish I like, I was so shocked when I went to this, I went to the restaurant and I saw them and I was like, I feel like a person with more self-comp and I, I went straight to my other friends and sat down. I was like, oh my God. And like, I kind of hid. I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, how is this whole dinner happening? And they didn't, <laughs> I was like so offended. And I was like, and I was like, wow. And I, and my friends were like, uh, forget them. But, um, I, uh, it, it was embarrassing. And I, but I feel like someone with more self-confidence would have walked up and been like, Hey guys, you know, and struck up conversation and been like, look, the Americans, you know? Um, and then like, all right, well, I'm going to go with, go sit with my friends. You know, I, that would have been a much more effective, like not ridiculous childlike running and hiding thing that I did. (laughs) So, (laughs) but it makes me Um, wonder what they think, because obviously you have some kind of a reputation in the international community. So my, Mike, I'm curious about what they could be thinking. Like, wow, like she's really well known with the international community. Like, that like- is what I think has happened, which I thought, which I, I would like to be a strength, but I almost feel like they see it as a threat. Right. And so, so, so they how don't do like you that. Yeah. that. Yeah. I how know. You, what yeah. Would, what would dissolve that for you? Like say, well, say you were on in their shoes, what would dissolve it for you? Well, I, I think what I've heard, like strategically, at least someone told me this in residency a long time ago, was if you start asking for advice, people like to give advice and help. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if it's like, if you really need their advice, but if you're not like ingratiating yourself is not very, um, useful but um like when you are legitimately seeking somebody's advice or somebody's perspective does that make sense the difference between ingratiating versus like an authentic ask yeah well I did come up with I have like a million authentic asks for these people like because they're like like I said partnering with like high profile um, industry and they're running major projects and doing all the things. And so I, I mean, tonight I went, so <laughs> I, and it's also at conferences, you see people like literally constantly all day, every day. It's like at every different, you go to different venues and different places and it's like, Oh, here they are again. <laughs> like, it's just, mm-hmm. you can't escape. So, um, I did ask like one of these super high people, um, tonight for advice about how I can, get involved with a certain organization and they weren't that they, they were like oh email this person I was like okay thanks and then they like walked away <laughs> this is after like a week it's been a week so yeah um I don't know I didn't I I tried that I don't know I I, I don't know if it was I don't know if it was a, I don't think it was very effective but that's okay yeah um, I mean and not- there could there could be a number of reasons why, like it could have just been the timing or maybe that person was in the middle of thinking about something else or who knows. Right? Yeah, for sure. Cause the meeting. Yeah, but they, yeah. And then they also, so then, so then we're leaving this one hotel and they were walking and this is why I'm also mad at myself. They were walking with this like, um, 
a representative from like a very, very wealthy organization. Mm-hmm. And then this Hyatt person was like, where they're walking to the next place, the next venue. And they invited me to walk with them. And I declined. Oh. Okay. Okay. Cause I was, t- I <laughs> cause I was tired. I was like, no, I'm so, I was so, I'm so tired. I was like, oh, I need to go back and rest. I'm sorry. And they were like, okay. You know, so I feel like it was another like slight against them. <laughs> this is one of those people that is like, you know, is kind of like feels like they're the mother hen or something. Yeah. You know, but the important thing to take away from that is, is it's not like you're completely iced out. It sounds like they're at least that invitation And if you're tired, you're tired. I mean, that's okay. It's okay to be tired and it's okay to rest. And another opportunity will present itself. Um, But just for your own brain to be like, not so committed to just how everything is bad and you're not in the in crowd. I suspect that that's not really true. I suspect that you have a name. I suspect that they know who you are. I suspect that they might be. Oh yeah, they know. Yeah, they might be intimidated by what you've been able to accomplish internationally. There, there, there might be other barriers that are preventing them from reaching out to you, just like there are barriers for you to pre- prevent from reaching out to them. And it's like, okay, we're all just human beings here. How can we keep sort of like pecking away at the barriers? Yeah. And sometimes barriers dissolve at once and sometimes they dissolve over a long, long time. But the truth of it is, is that it doesn't sound like you're as iced out as it may seem. Sorry about all the noise. Yeah. The irony of this is, Artie, the irony is that my sweet little girl has had the two popular girls over today for the first time and it's been like i've been walking on eggshells all afternoon these girls oh my god I, <laughs> these damn um i forget if i've talked to you because this these kids in the i think i did talk to you one time the kids invited to the part is, is the four-year-old invited to the fucking four-year-old birthday party that stuff yes. drives me insane it yeah. and then they hear about the birthday parties and they're all jealous oh my god yes. it's very very timely and ironic <laughs> the thing that we're talking about yes i know right that's pretty funny <laughs> yeah i think that i think my thought is like um partially i'm like i only started going to conferences literally one year ago mm-hmm. so i to expect to be in like the inner circles that have probably been interacting for like many, many years mm-hmm. is a little bit, um, is obviously like, um, presumptuous, you know, or whatever, some negative word, like, is it's just going too far. Like I, I, like these things take time. And so, um, I, I maybe I'll be invited next year to the, the fun American dinner, <laughs> but I had a great night. It's not like I had a bad night, a great night, but it was just like, it just was weird, you know? Yeah, um, that's another important thing to consider is like, if you've only been going to meetings for a year, then this could be like really good ground you're gaining considering the time frame. Yeah. It's but our brain never time. wants to tell that story. Our brain wants to make it sound like the freaking world is falling apart because we're not invited. Yeah. Yeah. And having that swirl around in your head is not going to help you do anything that 
dissolves this gap between you two. But thinking about it in it from a different mindset of, oh, yeah, they just asked me to walk to the next venue. Like they know who I am. I haven't been around that long. We're actually making progress here. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And like, which one feels better? Yeah, definitely. That like, I've, I've been all week, I've been like, okay, this, uh, you are a work in progress. Like you are, I am a light years ahead of where I was three years ago, four years ago, like literally a different human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and ev- I, everything, I'm in a completely different place than I was. Um, and, uh, and my trajectory is great right now. So um, to these small things are not a big deal. <laughs> They're yeah. really small. The most important part about all of this is that you already possess the skill of the communication with empathy and, um, gosh, I don't know why I can't remember the thing you said after empathy. Cause it was, it was like a, it's a der- derivative of empathy. I just said, um, perspectives. I understand perspective. I understand. Yes. But that's really important, right? Like getting on, that's what we call getting on somebody's storyline. And it is the most magnetic thing you can do to another human being is get on their storyline and understand what is the path that they're walking and just be present with them for that path. Whether your conversation is 30 seconds or 30 minutes, it fills up another human being. It is an act of service and people respond very favorably to it. So you already know how to do that. And I think if you just try that out on these people from America, uh, from the authentic place you already know how to do it from, irrespective of if they're the popular kid or not, that I bet you it would dissolve that boundary very fast. That would be my prediction. Yeah. Yeah. I think... um... Yeah. And I mean, what do you have to lose anyway? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not in the in crowd. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No. I'm I mean, sorry I'm a, laughing. Yeah. It's a defense. Mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. And it's not really like all the, it's just really this one individual that honestly, the group is, everyone's very kind and, and, and it, these are really wonderful people. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, this one head person. I feel like I, I didn't. Yeah, she's just you know kind of is the bot is in is in everything. <laughs> it's like yeah, in the everything. queen bee. Yeah, the queen bee. There's the a queen, queen bee. bee. Um. So yeah, no, I think I need to build work on it. Um. It and it'll come and uh, yeah. I, I um. I don't know. Yeah. I. I yeah. And I have a presentation, um, what in four, it's in four hours. So, so I I wish, yeah, that will be your chance. Also, this presentation will touch people and people will see. Yeah. What you have I think it's a good, I think it's a good one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. I, but I didn't sleep. So I'm kind of, I'm like, I'm struggling with my words a little bit because of my sleep. Do you think you could get a few hours of sleep beforehand? I'm going to try. There's like blackout curtains in this hotel room. So it's like pitch black in here. So I can try, but I've been trying to sleep since, since four hours ago. And I just gave up and I was like, Oh, look, I was checking my email. I was like, Oh, look, coaching. So (laughs) worst case Um, jump on YouTube and um, do an NSDR. 
if you don't get any sleep or if you get very little sleep, jump on YouTube, type in NSDR, non-sleep deep rest, takes about 10 to 20 minutes. It's a guided meditation and it helps you get the same kind of bang for the buck for your brain from a restorative mm. sleep perspective. And that might be just a little hack in case you're not. I'll do that hundred well percent when I get off this call. I was looking up like all these random insomnia. I was like, cause it's not insomnia when you play with your circadian rhythm as intensely as I have this week. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like eight hours ahead. And then I would take daytime naps and like try, it's just been a disaster. Like with, it, I mean, just the, not a disaster. It's just, I, it's just been, I just, I, I've kind of laughed about it because at this point it's just ridiculous to expect my body to be able to immediately convert. When I was 20, I could, I would be like, Oh, mm-hmm. now, now I'm on the new time, time for time zone. No, yeah. Not, not in my forties. No. So, so it's, yeah. this is an opportunity to give yourself a little grace about all of it because you're in a stress response because your sleep schedule screwed up and yeah. you definitely deserve some grace here. And, um, you know, try the NSDR or it's also That's called yoga Nidra, N-I-D-R-A yoga Nidra. It's really, okay. really effective. So hopefully help us understand if, if it helps you or not, that'll be kind of cool feedback. Okay. Do you feel like you're at least in like a little mellower? I feel so much better. (laughs) Okay. Like I can't, (laughs) I feel so much better talking about this because I've been thinking about it all week, but I can't, I I, I can't talk about it. You know, like there's Mm -hmm. no one here. I can talk about it with my husband is taking care of both of my children, you know, which is completely exhausting. And so whenever we call, he's just like nonstop talking about all the stressors at home. And so I'm just like, on like a rat wheel in my head. So this has been very, very helpful. I'm so glad. Well, hopefully you can get some rest and we wish you you all the best in your presentation. I'm sure you'll knock it out of the park. That's what a drama is for. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. Okay, Artie, I'm going to go ahead and... Disable talking. Next, we have Up Lady Glitter Sparkles, which is the best. Um, <laughs> I love that character in Trolls. I, I was going to say, I can't I can't take ownership of the name because <laughs> I stole it from Trolls, but I love, I love the character too. I love that character. <laughs> and I was just going to say to the, the last... Um, Coach E, if you will, Artie, that um, your feelings toward this, I shared very similar feelings early on in my practice and I couldn't understand. I I kind of am in like a subspecialty within a subspecialty. Um, And it took me a long time of really thinking about it that for some reason I expected myself to like be at this level of like, oh, I'm the president of this society and I'm intermixing with these people and everybody knows who I am when I had been in practice for like two years. <laughs> um, and I, it was just interesting, the pressures that we put on ourselves for the next. Yeah. And now I'm 10 years into practice and I interface with all those kind of that in group of individuals. And I think it just takes time of people seeing your face over and over again. And so just be you and continue to show up and do the things that you love to do and enjoy 
doing and it'll come. And I don't know why we put this artificial pressure on ourselves to like be there before we maybe should be, um, or that we should be there right away. Like there, you know, all these people and mentors that I look up to, they're well into their career, 15, 20 years. And I'm two years in and for at that time anyway. And I somehow think that I should be there, but I'm sure they went through all the same things too. Yeah. Everybody did, right? Everybody has been at all these places that we're going through, but I blame the cocaine, you guys. It's true. Like, what the fuck? These rules, (laughs) these rules that are just governing the way surgeons and I think basically across most surgical subspecialties, these rules are insane for what matters, like rules for what means you're doing a good job and RVUs and more production and get the president. Or climbing the ladder, climbing the, climbing the, the ladder. social or academic ladder. Climbing I mean, it, it's hair. It's crazy. Published, get funding. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I never wanted to do any of that stuff. So it kind of was like, maybe I was the oddball because I never wanted to do any of that stuff. I wanted to fix fractures. I just wanted to do it and have people do well. And, but that's, but inevitably, because those rules are so prevalent, they yeah. just swallow you whole. It's like a vortex. It's like a vortex and you get sucked up. And I'm not saying those aspirations are bad. They're wonderful. It's what propels us. It's why it's, I mean, it's creating innovation and it's, easing suffering worldwide. And it's like wonderful. But at the same time, it's kind of like, can we just take a nap or something? Yeah. Just rest for a minute. Yes. Artie, go take a nap. And you're highly emotionally intelligent is what I would tell you from listening to you. And (laughs) you're going to get there. Just, I can tell and how you carry yourself through a conversation. So we wish you the best. Yes. Um, Okay. Lady Glitter Sparkles, what's on your mind? (laughs) So I have been um, a member for quite a while. I don't talk all that often, although I've done, <laughs> you probably know who I am from my voice, I do. but I do coaching with you. <laughs> um, I don't have voice confusion. <laughs> um, so I joined um, Bonnie Coos, the wealthy mom, MD, mm-hmm. like her group um, that she's got going for like, teaching you how to, well, you know, the her whole thing is teaching you how to live wealthy, but yeah. also how to figure out how to create a little bit more financial freedom. And yeah. so that's kind of what I'm interested in talking about and mm-hmm. maybe picking your brain too of how do you look at it in terms of like, I don't want to, you know, exchange time for money or my time for money or patient care for money, I would like to start to work toward financial freedom. And I know that that Rome wasn't built in a day and it doesn't happen overnight. I have to remind myself that very frequently, but particularly with your story of like stepping away from clinical practice and kind of finding clinical practice that works for you like how, how do you think about it? How do you do it? How do you, I think getting started is 
because I get analysis paralysis and I don't know what to do. And I know it's just like make a decision and move forward is probably the best way to do it. But I just get so paralyzed maybe by fear over losing money or making the wrong decision or, or I don't know, we all have this insane fear of, oh my gosh, if I go down in my FT at work and I start making less money, then that actually means less financial freedom, right? And I can't do the things that I want to do and live the life that I want to live. So maybe kind of talking about how to think about those things. And then how do you actually think about maybe stepping back away a little bit from traditional clinical practice and pivoting to something else? Now, like my clinical practice is pretty niche. So doing locums and things like that is really hard for me unless I change very drastically what I'm doing surgically, which makes me nervous too, obviously, because I haven't done a more general practice in a while, but um, yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for asking the question. I will give full transparency here that I am not, um, like I'm not a money coach at all, but, uh, and I only know what I know from my own experience, but I kind of went through some similar stuff. I mean, the whole reason why I kind of was in coaching in the first place for myself, this started, gosh, years ago was because I was trying to figure out how, if there was any way that I could exist outside of orthopedic surgery, because I'm the breadwinner, we live in a really high cost of living area. And I was like, I'm drowning. What am I going to do? I cannot keep living like this. And I was thinking, is there another job that I could do? Could I be a coach? Could I actually feed my family with doing something like this? And so I kind of went through maybe similar a similar thought process to you. Um, and I actually, Bonnie was my coach for a little bit and there was something that was really helpful to me around money and my money beliefs. And I would encourage people to investigate their own money beliefs. Um, because I had it in my brain that money was just going out. I didn't actually recognize that money was always also coming in. And it took, it was one of those like instantaneous things when she's like, yeah, money is always going out, but it's always also coming in. Do you see that? And I was like, wait, what? It's always coming in. And she's like, yeah. And and we named all the ways in which it was always coming in. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. It's always coming in. It's always going out. It's very dynamic. There is a constant flow and it doesn't stop. Just like our pulse, well, until we die, I guess, um, just like any energy that you experience. And that to me was a very helpful frame of mind because I was like, oh, if it's always coming in and I have a very marketable skill in the fact that I can do orthopedic surgery, then I'm going to be okay. I, I suddenly had this influx of um, belief in myself and my ability to make money because of what I had already accomplished. And I knew that no matter what happened, I could get a job. And then also I knew that no matter what happened, I did a worst case scenario analysis. And the worst case scenario to me is, is that we would have to move in with our mother-in-law. It's actually not being homeless. It's having to move in with my (laughs) mother-in-law. And I was like, well, if that's the worst case scenario, that's not that bad. I mean, this sounds kind of silly, but this is what I did. 
And this was all preceding the big moment, the light switch moment when I was like, yep, I'm out. I'm not going to do this anymore when I decided to leave private practice. So it was kind of brewing for a while. And I think it that it's like you kind of build an infrastructure in your brain of a new belief system around what you're capable of, what money actually means, what you actually need, what you want. And then all of a sudden you're prepared for that moment where you're like, I'm out. And maybe that moment doesn't come. Maybe your moment's different. It's like, oh, I actually want to do, you know, whatever, whatever the moment. Yeah, sure. Um, is this making sense so far? Is it kind of yes. like, is it answering the question that you asked? Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, once you said, had that moment of I'm out, mm-hmm. how did you sort of regroup yourself to pivot? Well, uh, it was very crazy. I will tell you the exact, the exact steps. Um, so I was in San Diego with my daughter. I've told people this on this, in this way I've told, I think, I think I've heard it. Yeah. So I'd taken my daughter on, um, spring break for three days. And I was so worried about the three days of taking that off a private practice because I was going to lose so much revenue. And I was like, really thinking that was stupid, like to, to do this job and to be worried about taking three days off, I thought was like ridiculous. And, um, so I was primed, but then down there, she was, we were just having the best time and she was dancing and it was sunny and we were just kind of spontaneous. And I said, you know what? I just want to be able to do this anytime I want. I want to be able to just take my daughter to San Diego, which is 60 miles from my house and get a hotel, and go to the beach, and collect rocks, and go to the museums, like, whenever, and that was the, that was a light, like, the light switch moment, where, like, literally, it was, like, a switch flipped in my brain, so I came home, and I told my husband, I don't want to do private practice anymore, I want to get a home equity line of credit that will cover us for a year, in case I make zero dollars, I'm going to be working on my coaching, I will become an independent contractor. I had the whole plan outlined. I will, wow. I will, cause I, t- I talked to two people in my community who had done something similar. So I kind of had the framework for how you do it. Um, I got a lawyer. I, um, got my S corp started. This all happened within like three weeks of coming home from San Diego and, uh, wrote my letter of resignation to my group. And we got, we applied for and got this home equity line that we weren't sure if we were going to have to use, but it was our, it was our safety net. Now I don't recommend people go into debt to do this. I'm not suggesting that that's the right thing to do, but for us, that's what we did. Um, And then because we didn't want to sell our house, that that was an option. We could have sold our house, but we love our house. We didn't want to sell our house. And then I said, well, I'll just work as an independent contractor until I figure things out. And that's what I did. And I started, I I kept seeing patients in my group. Yesterday was my last day seeing clinic with my group. It's done. I have one more case on the 18th and I'm like, not going to have hospital privileges anymore. It's kind of crazy. So I got on with Kaiser. I worked with them. Being an independent contractor is quite lucrative actually. And you can set up different ways in which you get paid. And if you, if you can set up an hourly rate, doesn't matter how, what you're doing, you can just get paid the hourly rate. 
Um, and then I found the synergy job, which is like, I was built for this job. So I'm making the same amount of money now that, um, working seven to 10 days, like average of nine days per month. And I was making full time as a pediatric orthopedic surgeon, which is like insane. That's crazy. And to answer your question about being a super specialist and then going back to more general practice, I mean, that might not be for everybody. So I would just recommend that people kind of take a really close look at what you want to do and what you're willing to do. And this is more in alignment with what I had always envisioned for myself from the beginning than being a pediatric orthopedic surgeon. And um, I don't know if you knew this lady glitter sparkles, but when I was in fellowship, I was miserable. Like I was miserable. I hated it. It's like, I was like a smiley face on the surface, but inside I was a hot, hot mess. But so I feel like it's kind of come full circle. And for me, like going back to doing hip fractures and stuff like that was, I'm just delighted. I'm delighted. I have a bicondylar plateau next week because I'm going to work tomorrow. So I have to fix a bicondylar plateau next week. And I'm so excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're excited about it because that makes me shiver. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it just depends on what you want. And again, I'm kind of like having verbal diarrhea now, but um, it was scary for sure. And uh I am so glad I did it. I had a lot of faith in myself, a lot of faith in my husband and a lot of faith that things were just going to work out. And maybe that seems like a little bit insane, but that's what I did. And and it kind of all did work out. That's amazing. Yeah. I know I think a lot of people look to yourself and Kelly and many, many other people as well about like, you know, the success stories of, of how to, how to do it. And it doesn't mean that nobody struggled along the way or has, you know, had their own blips in the, in the road. But I think it's, um, it's cool to see how it changes your life, but it changes other people's lives around you too. Um, I hope That's, that's one of the benefits of this group is that when people share their stories, people see what's possible, you know, people see like for Artie, there, there might be people who hadn't even considered like an international presence, whatever that might look like for their subspecialty. Um, you know, it's, we have to keep talking because we're the ones that are going to rewrite the rules. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's like hard for me to ask another question because I feel like everyone's story is different. And it's just like at some point you got to the point where you got to the edge of the cliff and you took the leap of faith. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of like the same thing I, I hear from everyone else's stories. So maybe I'm just not quite at the edge and ready to take the jump yet, but yeah, maybe not. (laughs) I wasn't at the edge. I mean, so when I left Albuquerque, like things were unraveling for me mentally when I was in Albuquerque and that was in 2014 to 2015. So that's when this all really started was when I was, I was sitting in the surgeon's lounge and I called Pete and I was like, do you want to move? And he's like, yeah, do you want to move? <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're made for each other because we do some crazy shit. Um, and I just said, I'm not doing well here. 
I, I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this at this particular place. And, and I was like, I think we need to go. And he said, okay, well, where can we go? And I knew he didn't want to go to St. Louis where my family is and his family's in California. His dad was dying from cancer at the time. And I was like, well, I guess we go to California because your dad's not going to be with us much longer. It would be really great if Marin could at least know her grandfather and have some memories of him. And your mom probably needs the help. So, and quite frankly, like who's going to argue with cancer? Like you tell your chairperson, well, I got to go. My husband's dad's dying. It's kind of like a cop-out, I guess, or like the, the, um, the easy way out, but whatever way gets you out is the way to go. And, uh, so we just moved and, and at the time I was talking to Synergy. Interestingly, I talked to the guy, one of the two surgical co-founders who is an orthopedic surgeon. And we had a really lovely conversation about what this sort of model was. And I thought, you know what, that sounds really great. But my daughter, she was only about, um, like 18 months, two years old at the time. She was really little. And I just didn't think I could be away from her like that. Yeah. And so I wasn't at the edge of the cliff yet. That's okay. And it took another seven years to get to the edge of the cliff, but I made it. (laughs) Just keep climbing. (laughs) But along the way, you gather so much self-efficacy. I think that's the other important thing to consider is that every moment, every day, we're showing up to the life that we have chosen and we're gaining self-efficacy because we're executing these reps, whether it's talking to the popular American kids or giving lectures or doing certain surgical procedures or working our way through complications or raising children or whatever it is, we're, we're gaining self-efficacy. And then all of a sudden you get to the point where you're like, okay, I know I can handle whatever's coming. Like it might be bad, but I know that I'll have the resources to, to plow through it. So I knew it wasn't going to be like a cakewalk, Actually, I think that's a racist term. I want to take that back. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, um, but I knew, like, I, I had a lot of, like, belief in my self-efficacy to be able to kind of, like, handle it. That's amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Um. So... That wasn't exactly coaching as much as it was just telling a story, but hopefully that kind of answered the questions that you posed. Yeah. I think it's just hearing people's story of how they pivoted, like what, yeah. what was the critical, you know, mass or moment? Um, and like, how did you prepare to switch? Because there's a, there's a lot of things where you can be like, well, yeah, I just decided that was that. And that's great. It's it's a good moment to have, right? But at the same time, there are like several lives in my household that I'm responsible, you know, the mm-hmm. primary breadwinner for. And if I just stopped bringing in money, our life would have to change too. Um, and so I think you just have to be mind. I have to be personally mindful and careful of that. And I think that's where my fear point is, is like, I don't. Yeah want to lose our house and all of those things. And, and I don't think that that would truly happen, but, you know, you have to kind of have a little nest egg built and, and have money coming in maybe from somewhere else that you can rely on. Yes. Um, definitely the plans 
are useful. Um, and we had them, but I, I knew that the person who I was being in my own home was not worth it. When I was working full-time in private practice, I was not, that just wasn't who I wanted to be in my own home. And there was no amount of money. I would rather have sold our house and not be that person than um, continue on like maintaining our lifestyle. Um, and my, and luckily my husband was in full support of that because he could see that I was, he calls it redlining. And I guess it's some flying term, but yeah, like, you're yeah. redlining and he could see it. And he knew um, like, I just couldn't keep going like that. It just wasn't for me. And it's, I cannot emphasize this enough. There are so many ways to do this job. So if it is for you, then wonderful. I'm so happy for that. But if it's not for you, you don't have to hate it and you don't have to not want to do it. But you, I just want people to understand that there are other ways in which you can be a surgeon and not, and, and still like, like who you are <laughs> outside yeah, <absolutely>. of it. <laughs> Um, fermented shark has asked lady glitter sparkles. Do you follow the white coat investor? This top topic comes up not infrequently. I follow yeah. them a little, I follow them a little bit peripherally, but I, 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 you know, could definitely go and look up information. Yeah. There. There's a passive income group too on Facebook. Yeah. Um, which is, is good. Yeah. And there are people who are much more qualified to talk about the money parts than I am because I, I think people, anybody who has half a mind about money would have looked at what we did and said we were absolutely stupid to do it, but it worked. <laughs> it worked for us. It did work. Yeah. Okay, friends, it's 632. I guess we'll kind of call it a night and then I will catch you guys on the 19th. Thank you. Thank you, guys.